Galatians chapter number five, at the time of Paul's writing here, the church at Galatia is dealing with, with a couple of issues. One, they're dealing with the issue of a purity of doctrine. The Jews, the Judaizers, the legalistic crowd, the Pharisees, they've come in and they've brought in some, some impurities and tried to add it to the things of God. They've tried to add circumcision. They've tried to add works of man into the laws of God. And so they're dealing with a purity of doctrine. And as a result, they're dealing with a purity of conduct. Conduct matters. As children of God, our, our conduct is important. But we can't be expected to have a pure conduct if we don't have a, a pure doctrine. That's why it's so important that we hold on to this book and everything is about this book and anything that doesn't come out of this book is irrelevant. This book is our guideline. It is important that we, re, that we keep a pure doctrine and that we keep this in the forefront of our lives. So I want to look at one very short passage for our text this morning in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 9. simply says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So I, I, I put a title on this message, How Serious Does God Take Sin? How, how serious is God when it comes to sin? I was thinking about us as Faith Baptist Church and the marching orders that God has given us for 24. And I didn't want to change the title because I think that's a good one. How serious is God take sin? But I could add one for the members of Faith Baptist Church for the things that, that God has given us as we look at this message this morning. Maybe put a subtitle on preparing to be used by God in 2024. Father, thank you so much, God. Thank you for the answered prayers in 23. Thank you for the miracles we've seen you do. Thank you for the healings, God. Thank you for the storms that you've held our hand and walked us through. Thank you for the valleys that you've brought us. Thank you for the valleys that you've brought us through. Thank you for the hard times you've raised us up from, God. Thank you that you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've never left our side. There's never been a time that you weren't with us and weren't holding us, God. We walked through some hard times in life, God, but you've stood there through them all, and you've held us up, and you've strengthened us, and you've made us better, God. Lord, I pray as we look into 2024, will you strengthen us? Will you encourage us, God? Will you anoint us for a holy purpose, God? May we be sanctified, set apart for your purpose, that you might do great and mighty things, that we might be pleasing to you in all that we do. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said... Amen. So the Apostle Paul says the same thing when he wrote to the church at Corinth. In his first letter to Corinth, he said in chapter 5 and verse 6, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. But now when he wrote to Corinth, he went on in the next verse to kind of give them some instructions on what to do about it. He says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. What, what does it mean? Scott, come here, brother. Come, come, come out here. I, I need somebody to help me. You, you can help me good as anybody. What, what does it mean that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Come, come, come over here, brother. You, you like applesauce? Oh, yeah. You eat anything, right? You, oh, oh, yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. How do you know I could eat anything? 
Oh, you just had that look. <laughs> you just had that look like you might. Look, uh, you see them ants crawling around? I'm sorry. They have escaped out of my applesauce. They won't eat much. Well, I just don't want them to get all over the church. I thought they should have been froze. I guess they thawed out when I brought them in. So, so I bought these. Well, I didn't buy. Robin picked these applesauces up about three and a half weeks ago because I needed them for this morning. And this one, I actually opened three and a half weeks ago. And, and I sat it out in the yard because I needed it to mold. That's not an accident. I needed it to ferment and I needed it to get to smelling all good like that. I didn't really count on the bugs getting all in it. You eat anything, right? Huh? Um. <laughs> so, so be still now. Y'all stop crawling on me. So there were some bigger bugs in it. I don't know where they went. They were out in the yard. I just checked on everyone. And unfortunately, it, it's been a little cool outside. So it didn't ferment quite as much as I wanted it to. And it doesn't have quite as much mold as, as I thought it would. But when I'm surprised how much evaporation. I don't know if it evaporated that much or if the bugs have eat that much. It used to be a lot fuller, didn't it? You see? So, so, so my, my, my question is, if you like applesauce, do you want to eat this one? No, thank you. Ants don't taste bad. You've had them and stuff before. So, so, so what would it be? That, that, I mean, why, why, it's applesauce, right? It used to be. <laughs> it used to be. So, so, so we'll, here's reality. This one was bought at the same time. That looks a little better, don't it? Yeah. It's even got a good color. So it's three and a half weeks old. It's been in the pantry. It's been sealed, and, and it hadn't been sitting out in the yard. It hadn't had any bugs. Oh, that looks so much better. It's got some moisture in it. So that's an applesauce. You'll eat that applesauce, right? Yeah, I'm probably a little better with that one. You're probably a little better with that one. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you some applesauce right there. Boy, that's, that's nasty. Now, let me get that stirred in there just a little bit. You said you'd eat that one. So that now you'll eat that one, right? No, I'm good. But but you said you would eat this one. I want that one alone. No, what what about what about this? What if we what well my my we'll just do this. We'll just take this. And we'll put just a little bit. You said you wanted this one alone. You didn't want nothing else with it. So we'll just put that little bit in there. Now there, oh, now there's that one alone. That, that what you had in mind? That ain't really what I had in mind. So you don't want that one. No, See, so here, here's reality. Is, I didn't realize how thick that was. <laughs> or how many answers in it. <laughs> As disgusting as that looks, I can look at it. I don't like to smell it. Unfortunately, my sense of smell is about gone, so I really can't. But that's not near as repulsive to me as sin is to God. Because God is a holy, sovereign, righteous God. And God said, I can't even look on sin. He had to turn his back on his own son because his own son bore my sin. And he can't even look at it. So as repulsive as that is, that's nothing compared to how repulsive sin is to God. But, but even, even though we can look on and hold it, and we put just a little bit in that, and there's a couple ants still crawling around. They're not going to drink much. But yet we don't want that because we put a little bit in it. See, that, thank you, buddy. You can go be seated. That, that's what 
That's what Paul told us when he said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Paul, Paul went on and, and, and he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9, he said, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. All of those are things of sin. Those are things that basically, that, that is leaven in our lives. Paul says, none of that stuff is going to enter into the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 11, and such were some of you. If you're a some of you, raise your hand. I'm not really sure why that English isn't changed right there because all of us fit that part. Such were some of all of us. And, and Paul, Paul's talking about what should be our past. Paul's talking about the things that, that that's, that's what we used to be. But, but thank God he goes on. He says, but ye are washed. That, that word means to be fully cleansed, to be completely remitted. But ye are sanctified. That word means that you are consecrated. You are purified. It means that you have been set apart for a holy purpose. Then he says, but you are justified. Y'all have heard it said by a lot of people a lot of times, that is justified, never sinned. When, when God looks on you and I through the blood of Jesus, he looks at us as though if, if Christ is your Savior, you've been redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you've been forgiven of your sins. When God looks, it is justified, never sinned. God, God looks on us. If, if it were not for the holy blood of Jesus, God could not look on us at all because of the sin that's in our lives. Now, on Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Galatians. We left off this past Wednesday night, chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That, that is one of the most important passages in all of the New Testament. Jesus not only died for us, Jesus died as us. Even though Jesus was, was sinless, he, he took our place and he himself was identified with our sin. I, I said it last week. He came to pay a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And, and so he is identified with, with our sin. But, but then Paul says, nevertheless, I live. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, we rose from the grave. Victorious over death. Through, through Christ, when Jesus stepped onto resurrection grounds, we stepped onto resurrection ground. Victorious over sin. So if, if we try to stand before God with, with sin in our lives, it's no different than trying to stand before God with that disgusting put into the pure. Even though there's just a little bit in there, it spoils the, the whole lump. So even if I try to cover it with good works, even, even if I try to, to cover my pet sins with being at church on Sunday, even if I try to, to cover my sin by <clears throat> going on a mission trip or, or working in missions or working in children's missions and, and things within the church, no, no matter what we do, the only way to correct it, Paul said, is to purge it. 
That, that means you, we, we've got to get it out. And the only way to get it out is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We confess our sins and then God cleanses us in, in the blood of Jesus. But there's a key step. There's so much more to purging than just asking of forgiveness. Then you have to repent from the sin. That means turn away and not go back. Not, Father, forgive me on my way there to do it again. The, the only way to purge is to get it out. God, forgive me. Give me the strength. Give me the power. Give, give me the, the mental capacity. Give me everything I need to overcome, to repent, to never go back. Now, in the Word of God, leaven is always used as a picture of sin. It's not because of what the leaven is. It's because of what the leaven does. In the book of Exodus, God gave Moses commandments to the Jews that they were to take during the Passover time. They had to eat unleavened bread. As a matter of fact, there was to be no leveling agents found anywhere in their house. It said in Exodus 12, 15, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Even on the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So we looked at Paul's letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We looked at verse 6, your glory is not good. No, you're not a little leaven. Leaven is the whole lump. We looked at verse 7, therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us. But he went on in verse number 8 to say, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The, the difference between leaven and and unleavened is found in the word itself. Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary defines leaven as a mass of sourdough, which mixed with a larger quantity of dough or paste produces fermentation and renders it light. Definition number two, anything which makes a general change in the overall mass. So, so leaven is what is placed in the dough to make bread Rise. We, we think of yeast as a leveling agent, but, but I, I went to Dr. Google and looked some things up. Anybody do that? Anybody use Google? Google's a pretty smart cat. It can answer a lot of questions. You don't want to ask it Bible questions because I'm not sure it has the right answers. But you can ask it about a lot of worldly stuff. And it, and it gave me some different. It gave me a list of chemical ingredients and a list of natural ingredients. The chemical ingredients is things like baking soda or baking powder and horn salt, which is just baker's ammonia and, and, and potash. And then it gave me a list of, of natural leavens, yeast, and yogurt, and, and buttermilk. But, but in the Word of God, the word leaven is used as a picture of sin. Even if you put just a little bit in, it will spread throughout the entire lump. I don't know if this has been open. I'm probably going to wind up with this all over me. I say, oh, it is open. How about that? They did so good. So, so this, this is a picture of what, level, uh, of what leavening is. It's a little, if you take a little bit of something and, and you put it into something greater, it affects the entire mass. So if I take this little bit of leaven and, and I put it into something much greater, just a few little drops of it, and I put it into something greater, it affects the entire, see, that's what sin is in my life. See, we think a little pet sends a little drop, but look what the little drop does. See, when God looks on us, he can't see pure if there's a drop of anything in there. So that, that is what sin, all sin, that's why it's so important to keep sin out. 
How many of you know that God gave us some specific instructions with a 95% vote in this church to do something special in October 2024? I didn't vote. I told you then. I'm, I'm seeking God on my own things. I'm asking you to seek God on what God, what does God want this church to do? And if God tells you to vote yes, then you vote yes, but you be prepared to go to work. My, my prayer was, God, if you move on your people, then help me do what you've told me to do, and that is to prepare us to be used then. God, God made it very clear to me back at the beginning of 23, you've not any, done anything different than when we had this conversation in 22. If God's going to do something great, God will prepare a people. Amen? God has given us marching orders. He's given us, he's given us some, some things to, to, to do. So if that's the case, if we're going to be used by God, we're going to have to make sure we clean up anything in our lives before we get over into that new year because just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That means a little pet sin that you think nobody knows about, God does. That means a little something is between you and your phone ain't between you and your phone because God knows. That means a little something between you and somebody else you think is all your secret. Nothing is a secret before God. It's all a drop. And even one drop changes the entire mass. Every time you put another drop in there, it's going to get a little darker. So, so the Bible tells us that we're to get all sin out. To get everything. That, that means if there's any sin among us, not only will it hold me back. But it'll hold the church back. And so as quiet as Sunday morning, so the last one of the year, we're going to go out on a happy note. Not only will it hold you back, it'll hold the church back. In the book of Joshua, chapter 6, we have the story, you know, in Joshua of Jericho and how God sent them in and they marched six times around the wall six days on the seventh time. Or, or seven times on the seventh day, and on the seventh time, the priests blew their trumpets, and the people shouted, and the walls fall down, and they go in, and they overthrow Jericho, but there were some instructions given before that wall fell down. See, that everything there was a curse. God said, you can't have the spoil. Matter of fact, everything in there was a curse except for Rahab the harlot because she hid the spies. And so God protected her and her family because of what she did. But everything else in there was a curse. God gave some commandments on what to do with some gold and silver about the Lord's house. But he said, you're not to take of any of the spoil. None of that stuff in there belongs to you. I've cursed that stuff. You can't have any of it. So, so that means all of it had to be left alone. Now, they're, they're to take none of the spoil. But in chapter 7, one man took a little bit. One man, Achan, took a little bit. In his confession time, a little later on, he, he says, I saw it, and man, I just, I just had to have it. I, I, I just had to have a little bit of that. And, and he got it. So it, it says here at chapter 7, verse number 1, book of Joshua, it says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass. Now, wait a minute. We said Achan, right? One, one man. That's what it said. But, but it said the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan. One, one man. But then listen to his credibility. The son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah. He is of the tribe of Judah. 
And it says that he took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. One man's disobedience brought all this. So even though they've overthrown the fortified city of Jericho, they sent some soldiers to go up against this little bitty town of Ai that ain't big as a minute. And Ai sends them back with their tail tucked between their legs. Why? Because they're seeing in the camp. You can't go out and expect to have great victories with sin in the camp. They thought, hey, we'll just go out now. I mean, look what we did to this big city, go out. But there's sin there, so they go before God, and God says, mm-mm, you got a problem. you got sin in the house. And, and so they, they cast lots, and they put forth, and they find out that this one man, Achan, he says, man, I, just, I had to have it, and I, I took it, and I hid it under my tent. Now, you know the title of the message? Here comes the answer. They killed him and all of his family and burned everything that they owned. Because that's how serious God is about sin. He didn't take a bunch of money and go out and use it. He wasn't living a high life. He took a few things, hid it in the sand underneath his tent. That's all he took. So it couldn't have been a whole lot, right? He took that little bit, them little bitty pet sins on the cell phone, that little stuff on the computer that nobody knows about. He took that one little thing and he put it under his tent so that nobody else knew and all of Israel paid the price. And, and when God made it known, they killed his whole family and burned his stuff. God's pretty serious about sin, amen? In the Old Testament, before Jesus ever came, there's a picture of Calvary, Psalm chapter 22, verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as ravening and a roaring lion and poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot should. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast them. Lots upon my vesture. That is a picture of the crucifixion to come. Calvary was not an accident. It wasn't God's backup plan. It's not an uh-oh moment. It is the salvation of a sinner like you and I. It, it, it is the answer to our every greatest need. Now, the Gospel of Matthew gives the account of it in chapter 27, verse 27. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the common hall and gathered him into the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. And a reed in his right hand, they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit upon him. They took a reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put on his own raiment on him. And, and they led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled him to bear his cross. When they were coming up to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall. And when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. They crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. We just read it. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Sitting down, they watched him there, and they set up over his head the accusation written, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. John chapter 19, verse 1 says that Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers platted a crown of thorn on his head, put it on his head, and they, they mocked him. I'm sorry, it says they put on him a, a purple robe. 
and said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went again and said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. And Jesus came forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priest and therefore and the officers saw him, they, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Verse number 16, they delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified. They took Jesus, led him away, and he bearing his cross. Went forth into a place of a skull, which is in the Hebrew, called in the Hebrew Golgotha. If you look down at verse 23, it says there, The soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to every soldier apart. Also his coat, now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Who shall it be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith that we read? They parted my raiment among them, and from my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Everything about the cross, the, the pain, the suffering, the, the beatings, the, the, the pierced hands, the, the pierced feet, the, the humiliation, the, the spitting, the insults. All of the pain, all the suffering, everything God allowed on his own son. Because that's how serious God is about sin. Now, as bad as the pain would have been, as bad as the beatings and the suffering would have been, as bad as the rejection and the humiliation and the shame would have been, that's not the worst part of it. Because without beginning, without end, that means there's never been a time when he wasn't with the Father. There's never been a time when they were separated. But for a moment, God the Father is going to have to turn his back on his son because he's going to take my sin and your sin upon himself. And the worst part of it was for Jesus was that the Father had to turn his back on him so that he could truly bear my sin. Now, if God allowed that on his own son, we, we kind of get a pretty good glimpse of how much God hates sin. And here's reality. There are no little sins in God's economy. There's sin and there's sin. They don't have capital letters, little letters. They don't have different colors. They don't have different meanings. There's sin and there's sin. We like to capitalize things, right? We, we like to talk about how bad somebody is because of what they did. But, you know, that's what the Pharisees do too, right? They like to talk about what other people do wrong. And, and Jesus said, well, you yourselves, you can't keep one jot or tittle of the law. So, so the, the reality is the Bible says that, that a, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. One little drop changes the entire thing. Guess who knows that? The devil. See, the devil knows he doesn't need to get you to go all the way back into your old lifestyle. He doesn't need to get you to go all in. He doesn't need you to go all the way back to where God delivered you from. He just needs a little sin in your life. He just needs a little something in there to hinder your relationship with God. But not just hinder your relationship with God. That little hindrance in your relationship with God brings in and all of a sudden you have a little ounce of discord in the church. And it begins to be a problem within the whole church. Because six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven an abomination. He that soweth discord among the brethren. 
So, so if we get a little something in and we bring it in here, now all of a sudden this one little drop of sin begins to be a problem in here. And the devil knows that. You know what makes it even worse? The devil knows what we like. The devil, the devil knows things that, that we've looked at. The devil knows things about our past. He, he knows the things that, that were attractive to us in our old life. And, and he knows the flesh is always the flesh. You know what makes it even worse? Is the devil don't have to get involved in this show at all. I got enough right here. The devil don't have to get involved in this race the least little bit because I was born into sin. And even though I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, even though my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, even though we're going to heaven because of what Christ has done for us, we're still living in this old defiled body, right? And we still continue to face the same battle Every day, the battle never stops. I, I, now, I know, you, I need to back up to last week because you're like, man, where's last week's message? Well, it's still there. To tell us die. Paid in full. Forever. All the joy of last week's message hadn't gone away. It's still there. We just got to make sure that we claim it and then we put everything on the table that we become usable vessels for God. Now, for those who reject Christ, what's going to be a bad picture? It's not that hell is bad enough because hell's not the end of the story. Revelation 20.10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I saw a great white throne, him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Notice it says the dead was judged. Thank God that ain't you and I. The second death has no power. That, that's not a judgment for you and I. There is a judgment for you and I. There is a judgment seat of Christ where our works will be tried as by fire. That means all the things that we do, all the things working with children, all the things working in camps, all the things working in judgment journey, all the practice and time and serving and he's alive. All of our works will be tried as by fire. Why'd you do them? What was the purpose? What was the motive? Was it to hide pet sin? Was it just to blend in? Was it to receive the applaud of men? Was it to receive pat on the back? If it was, then those things were just wood, hay, and stubble, and they'll be burned up in fire, and they'll suffer loss. But if we did those things for the glory of God, see, if we set forth to make this a special year and to purge out the sin and to set ourselves before God and let God make us a holy people, a peculiar people, set apart for a holy purpose and purify us and anoint us and do something mighty in October and we do them for the glory of God and for the adding of the kingdom that God would do great and, and mighty things, those things are, are like precious stones. Those things withstand the fire, those things come with rewards. So there is a judgment seat of Christ. There is a judgment for, for you and I, but, but that's not what Revelation 20 is talking about. See, it, it's talking about the lost. It's talking about uh, the, what we were. It's talking about why we would do something like Judgment Journey to try to see thousands saved. Does anybody have great expectations for 2024? See, I, I, don't, I, don't, think we, I don't think we should, well, I can't use it without the word expect. We shouldn't expect great things if we don't expect great things. I don't think we're going to see great things if we don't expect great things. I don't think we're going to see thousands saved if we don't expect thousands saved. Those of you who been in there before, you can't help but expect it. We've seen thousands saved every time we've ever done it. But this is new. This is different. 
Same gospel, same story, different people, some same people, some different people. But, but we, we go forward because we're expecting God to reach into the fires of hell just like he did with you and I and pick us up and set some people's feet upon a rock, brushing them off, removing their sin, that they don't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes, same way he did you and I. Now, if we're expecting God to use us to do that, don't be naive and think hell ain't upset about that. Don't be naive and think the devil ain't ticked off about that. That the devil ain't going to try to hinder your Bible reading time. That the devil ain't going to try to hinder your prayer time. That the devil ain't going to try to get one little pet sin in your life. One little something. One little inappropriate conversation going on. One little something in your phone going on. One little something at your job site going on. One little something at your workplace that, that God, that, that, that he put something in that, that God is going to be upset about because of the sin. Because all it takes is one one little bit of leaven. It's not what the leaven is. It's what the leaven does. It defiles everything. Revelation 20, it goes on in verse 13. It says, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Thank you, sweet, precious Lord Jesus, that our name is written. Anybody say thank you. Anybody's name written. Thank you, Jesus, that I know, I know my name is written there. Y'all like that song? I know I'm thankful that my name is written there, but there are millions that aren't. There are millions on their way to hell. Some of them are our friends. What kind of friend are we if we don't even tell them? Why? Shame. What are we ashamed of? We're ashamed of Jesus. We're ashamed of the truth. We're ashamed of the gospel. What kind of friend can we be? Because at Revelation 20, we may not be in that judgment. We'll be at that judgment. What do you do when your best friend looks across at you when he's standing there condemned to hell and they look on and go, why didn't you tell me? We hunted together, we fished together, we went places together, we rode in cars together. And I always knew you got up and went to church on Sunday morning, but you never made a big deal. You know, why didn't you make it a big deal? You knew I was going to hell. You saw my life. You knew what I was doing. You knew how I talked. You knew, why didn't you tell me? What's the answer? Oh, I'm sorry, I was ashamed. I mean, God's listening, so what's the answer? What about your family members? Do you love your family? Do we love them enough to tell them the truth? Because without the blood of Jesus, they're going to hell. That's what, that's what the book says. And, and the only way that we really can be usable vessels is to be pure vessels. And the only way to be pure vessels is to stand holy before God and purge out the old. I wish I would have had some of that stuff. I've seen it on a commercial that you can put a drop in there and stir it and it go back wide. Have y'all seen that stuff? I mean, I had three and a half weeks to prepare the applesauce, and I didn't have long enough to remember to order that stuff. But that's reality. One drop. I'll go ahead and tell you, you put one drop of red in that, it ain't going by white. But you put one drop of the blood of Jesus in there, and it is. You can put all the fake red in there you want. You can put all the works in there you want. You can put all the cover-up in there you want. You can put all the pretend in there you want. You can put all the act holy and act righteous and act churchy around church. You can put all that in there you want, and it don't change it a bit. But you put one drop of the blood of Jesus in there, and it's all white. That's what Jesus did for us at Calvary.
But life just keeps coming, amen? Some of us have been saved a long time. There's been a lot of battles fought since Calvary. But remember we looked at it last week. The sins of your past, to tell us die, paid in full forever. But not just the sins of your past, the sins of your present. We looked at the adulterous woman. Her sin was right now. And Jesus, the only one who could have condemned her, said, neither do I condemn thee. So Jesus came not to condemn us, but to set us free. And he came so that we can put everything on the table so that we can be pure, so that we can be holy, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be used. I can't think of a better time than the last day of the year to purify ourselves, to try to get everything on the table, to get everything clean, and to make ourselves one with God. We just finished reading the Bible through in a year in 23, set out and leave everything behind, everything on the table. God cleanse me, purify me, make me whole. I don't want there to be one drop because I know one drop leaven at the whole lump. And I just want to be clean before you, God. I just want to be right. Anybody just want to be righteous? Anybody just want to be holy in God's sight? What the word of God tells me is is that I can be. It tells me that, that I already have victory over death, but it tells me I can have victory over the flesh. It tells me I can have victory over sin. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I've just been around a lot of people for a long time, and I know there's people in here that are struggling with something. You know why I know? Because the devil ain't quit messing with you. And I know God lets him because I know what God let him do to Job. But I also know that, that the devil can't do more than God allows because we saw that with Job. Job. Job was tempted, tested, tried, but the devil had a bridle on him, right? Right? I don't need to open and go to the story, right? The devil had a bridle on him. You, you, you can take this, but you can't take this. Now you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. I mean, you, you, can, do, you can do only what you allow. That's the storms you've been through. God allowed this much, but he didn't allow too much. So, so, so the, devil, the devil knows how to put things in, but, but God has brought us to a, a place. See, I believe, I believe with all my heart. I believe God's going to do something great. I believe God's going to do something great. If he fills every seat in here, okay. If he doesn't, okay. I'm not worried about that. If every seat in here was full, I don't want it to be full because we went fishing in some other aquariums and got people unhappy where they go to church and brought them so they could be unhappy over here. I want it to be because we walked out there into the fires of hell and told some people about Jesus Christ and a soul was saved and he come in and needed a place to sit. You know what we lack? Paul talked about it. We lack what those children have. Paul talked about it a couple weeks ago at a children's Christmas play about the heart of a child. You know, you know what's reality? You don't have to agree with me if I'm wrong. That's okay. It's just, it's just where I am. I don't think these children stood up here in this great heart of worship because I don't think they're really old enough to understand the true heart of worship. I don't think they were standing up here trying, trying to put something worship. I think they were just standing up here in a purity. I, I think they were just standing up here singing and and here's the deal this one isn't worried 
because the bills didn't get paid. And this one wasn't worried because I got to get my car out of the shop and I don't have the money. And this one wasn't worried because so-and-so didn't call me back. And this one wasn't standing here looking out going, can you believe they wore that to church? And this one wasn't standing over here going, I can't believe that one showed up here today looking like that. That one and that I believe was out last week with that old husty. And this one wasn't worried. They didn't bring all that garbage up here. They just walked up here and started singing, and it was pure, and it was simple, and the power of God heard it, and the Spirit of God fell, and we got to enjoy it because of what they did. The reason we can't get there is because we bring so much junk into this house. I made a statement a week later, and I believe this is all my heart. If our choir... If our band, if us, our life, if we walked in here every day with that purity and what happened in here on that Sunday happened every day, one year from today, you can't sit in your seat because a visitor came and this house is full and you got to find a place to sit. You know why? Because we put the garbage out, we purged the sin out, we got the junk out and we came in here to make everything about God and the Spirit of God fell. And when the Spirit of God falls on a place, word spreads. And all of a sudden, souls are being saved. And lost souls that got saved need a place to go to church. It don't matter if they go here or where they go where. I want them to do the same thing I want all us to do. Find where God wants you to be and be there because that's where God will use you. But wouldn't it be awesome to bring in a new year without a drop of sin on you? Wouldn't it be awesome to bring in a new year purged white. Not one speck of leaven, leaven in the whole lump. Wouldn't it be awesome to start out a new year white in God's eyes? Do you know you can do it, right? We know we can do it, right? It's all about confessing your faults. It's all about putting everything before Jesus. It's all about asking to cleanse me, make me white, and give me the power to not go back there again. Make me white in your sight, God. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. And go into a new year because I want to be used mightily by your hand in the year to come. Anybody here want to be used by God next year? There's a lot to be done for October. There's a lot to be said for October. And I have great expectations of God doing mighty things in October. But I don't want it to be October before we tell somebody about Jesus Christ. I, want it to be, I don't want it to be October before we start trying to get right and trying to get holy and trying to be prepared to be used. I want to start today. I want God to be able to use us today. I, I, I want people to see Christ in us and Christ through us today. Tim, come on, brother. Come on up here to the piano. I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and stand. You know what I would love for us to do? I would love for all of us. I don't know. I don't know how many bugs are still out there. Most of my family finally got about well. We've tried COVID and the flu and everything else in the past few days, and several of you have been sick, all, all kind of junk. I don't know. But everybody's probably the guy that already had it, so we ain't got a lot to lose by gathering an altar, do we? Not to mention the hedge of protection, the power of God around an altar. I, I, I would love... I know everybody can't. I know everybody can't and help and that stuff, but I would love for as many as will. I, I would love for us to gather as one, as one. And start with me. Start with me, God cleanse me.
and make me a usable vessel. But I would love for all of us as one to pray in one accord for God to make us a usable vessel. For God to put a hedge of protection around this campus. Don't, don't, don't think it doesn't come without attacks and challenges. God put a hedge of protection around this campus. Put a hedge of protection around every family in this church. Every family represented in this church. All of our children, our distant families, God, put a hedge about God. Cleanse us, make us pure. But, but God, make, make, us, make us righteous, make us holy, make us usable. Anoint us. Uh, we, we can't do anything without the anointing. And the anointing is only good for then. The anointing doesn't carry over. Each day there needs a fresh anointing. That's what the read the Bible through in a year was about. Just because we finish reading the Bible through in a year, don't stop reading the Bible. Just make it a study time. You have a, a set time now. You have an allotment time. For 365 days, you've been reading the Bible during a lot of time. Keep the allotted time and, and use your prayer time the same. And use your reading time the same. So that each day there's a fresh anointing. Tim's going to sing one song an invitation. I'm going to ask you guys if you would, will you come pray for this church? You come pray, God, cleanse me. But will you pray for this church? That, that God would make us something special in his eyes. That, that God would use us for his glory. That, that, that bulletin you got that says changing our surroundings one soul at a time would be more than a slogan. That God literally used us to change our surroundings one soul at a time. Tell people about Jesus. You know, we may see thousands of people saved in October, but they're all going to be one at a time. They're all going to be one soul at a time because it's an individual time with an individual God, an individual Savior.